0: Kirsten Costello is a model. She has the face people want. She has the look people desire. But now, something else wants her look. Something wants her face. Something not human. Nightwaves. The debut novel from David Irons is a new chapter in terror. Nightwaves, the novel. From Cosmic Egg, an imprint of John Hunt Publications. Available now at all good
1: bookshops.
0: Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. Both of my normal co-hosts, the Cecil and the Peter, are off this week. But I have filmmaker and now author David Irons on tonight as we're going to look at the state of the industry. So after we
2: introduce David, I've got some pitches for you though. This is sounding good. What do you want me to say now? You want, you're going to give me some pitches.
0: Not you pitches. I'm going to give the audience pitches. Not only there is adamandeve.com where if you go and use the promo code drome, you get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free US shipping. Now there is also NordVPN. If you go to 1201beyond.com backslash DROMEVPN, you can get nord vpn which right now has 75% off a 3 year plan that's 3 bucks a month to be able to torrent things maybe you need access to video that's region locked out of your area you're in england a lot of a lot of american stuff is region locked in your area i can't even count how many times i've sent you trailers and you're like n- and, you and you're play. like is not I available for me so, you go to 1201beyond.com backslash D-R-O-M-E drome VPN, get the three year plan, it's three bucks a month to be able to surf the internet, they protect your data, and they encrypt it. Just do it, okay? Alright, that all said, David and I are going to talk about the state of the industry, because you're a filmmaker. You and I don't agree on everything when it comes to film, but you and I tend (laughs) to line up more than we don't. I'd say that's true. As an independent filmmaker, does it bother you to see mainstream cinema pissing everything away? (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) it really does. I mean, like tell by the fact that I, I mean, how many times do you turn around to me and you say, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And I'm just generally put off by cinema in general. It's, there's just nothing there most of the time. It's just this generic slop, corporate slop, that's just put out places. And you just think, you just see trailers for things. Point an example. I went to see, I don't even know what it was. It was that bad. I went to see something at the cinema. And uh, every trailer just felt like I was watching the same trailer. And it was like too much information. They all looked the same. There was no style. Um You had the same stupid, you know what I'm talking about. That that noise. What is that? Is there a name for that noise?
0: A lot of people call it the Inception horn, but th- that sound was actually actually around before Inception, so but it's called the Inception Horn. But see what it's I'm the ince- yeah. What, what I'm they, talking they, about they, is is thing like originality. Almost every single movie that comes out nowadays is based on a comic book, based on a TV show, a remake of a movie, based on a young adult novel, based on a video game, based on, based on, based on, based on, based on. It's a (laughs) reboot of a franchise. It's a toy line that's being made into a film. It's an old cartoon being brought into live action. Whatever. What happened to originality?
2: What happened to... It doesn't pay to have originality, does it? Because if you've got something was a proven, like IP... Then we just use that. People know what this is. We know what Ghostbusters is. We know what Transformers is. We know what this, that and everything else is because it's all been done before. So it's still, it's plugging into the nostalgia factor. Just, and that, that's why you don't see original things because you're going to take a chance, aren't you? It's just such a big gamble to do something like, Oh, well, we we're going to put this out, but it's, you know, it's not been tested in any areas. So that, what's the point? We could, we could buy an IP of something that everyone's forgotten about from years ago, but there'd be a few people who remember it and that's nostalgia come back. Can we just use that and we'll make that?
0: Well, I mean, it, it's it's like the new Shaft movie is a perfect example. Who was asking for this? <laughs> no, okay, was okay. okay. For there it. was the Shaft movie in 2000, which wasn't great, but wasn't awful. And the fact that it was a sequel and not a reboot was somewhat appreciated. But at the same time, now you have, let's do that and the originals and make them a slapstick comedy where we're talking about SJWs and we're trying to
2: be offensive because ha ha ha. I know I'm gonna speak to you about this actually because I'd I didn't even know the thing was out yet. Then all of a sudden on YouTube, you just start seeing all these icons, and it was like Shaft upsets SJWs, and I was just like, what the hell is this? And uh, you click on the thing, and it's just like, yeah, that was the kind of sole intention of the thing, just to cause controversy in that way. And yeah, who was asking for that Shaft sequel? I mean, do you know what? I'm glad Richard Roundtree's getting a paycheck, and and apparently he's got a bigger part in this than Shaft 2000. This is like good. I'm glad he did because he deserves it. But no one was asking for it. No, it's, it's just that. The, the most like curveball film i think this year like oh yeah shaft sequel okay
0: I'm, f- I'm i'm fine with the idea of a shaft sequel getting the three generations together but making it because th- th- this, <laughs> this is this is the new thing now that that 21 jump streeting we're gonna take that old thing you love that yeah. Yeah, series, it was serious and struck, we're gonna make it, struck, it a stupid it? stoner comedy now
2: yeah, but that was Starsky and Hutch, wasn't it? I think see, like Dragnet, and you've said this, but you like Dragnet and I like Dragnet, but it does kind of pay homage to the originals, doesn't it? It's a continuation. It's like, that existed, this exists. And then it was kind of like a, a nice kind of crossover between the two. And it was like a dirty comedy, but the thing is, then it just turned into stupid self-aware. Then it turned mean-spirited. And it was like, the the original thing was so dumb, and we know it was so dumb. Now we're going to make this film about that thing that was so dumb. And I think that really did kind of start around Starsky and Did It hated what it was, so we're just going to laugh at it. And I and I was dreading that I was thinking, please don't make me spit here. Because you know you're going to see everything. You know you're going to see a Knight Rider reboot and the cards smoking weed and farting and let's do the worst possible thing because it'd be funny imagine if we can like you know completely destroy this and make it really dumb because it is dumb because it's old that that's the problem
0: everyone knows about what i'm about to talk about land of the lost that movie was a hate <laughs> to the original <laughs> that that movie was made to say all of you people who love this show are morons and here's why which
2: you ask yourself what are you doing I, I I don't know. I really don't know. But then the most of these things that come out, it was yeah, they're, just, they're pretty. Some of these things are bad, really bad. And I and I like you say, like the shaft thing. I'm Right, you're probably going to hate me for this, but I'm curious and I do want to see it. Just 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 out of respect to like the thing of the past, which I know I'm just giving my money away to the soldier, just thinking, oh, I like shafts, so maybe I like this. But I just want to see how bad it is. If it is just this SJW hate thing, I do want to know. What you got to keep in mind, most of these producers and studios, they run on fear. They fear, like, oh, can we do this? Can we get away with doing this? And I think if you look at, like, films for a long time, there was a big period where films had no colour, no really vibrant colour, no kind of vibrant tones. And then slowly it takes something to have this colour in and that kind of look again for them to go, oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. And it just seems to be someone else has to do something for it to catch back on. And things go out of style in film. And they just disappear, like all that, like the 80s. I mean, you look at the 80s, 80s is full of, like, neon is full of colour. It's it's a vibrant thing. And then you go to the 90s, and it's kind of like the drab, kind of... It's almost like 1970s tones again. And then it, like, took a few things to turn it around, to go back into, oh, no, we're we're allowed to use colour again. And it's like... Every, everything's always looking at what everyone else is doing to make sure it's okay for them to do what they want to do, and it does seem to but feel it, like it. That.
0: Almost seems like, but David, it almost seems like th- there's this weird thing in in some of these aspects of I'm making this to piss you off like the shaft thing seems to be made to anger sjw that one does but the which one i'm that, very
2: surprised by like i didn't watching the trailer i just thought okay it looks dumb but like it does seem to have that agenda to piss off sjw
0: it's so over i mean one of the characters is a millennial and he's kind of an sjw and he's constantly correcting samuel L. jackson you shouldn't be referring to people like that that's not right and, you know it, it, it's making fun of sjw's how original <laughs> The one that I, I really didn't understand and on paper should have been great was Twin Peaks The Return. You got David Lynch coming back to his classic and it was the worst Thing imaginable. Right. I, I have a
2: theory about this it, thing. I really do
0: Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm going to see if, if your theory lines up with mine. Mine is, people had been asking him, you're going to do a sequel? Do you want to do a sequel? You're going to come back, come back, come back. So many years, he finally broke and went, all right, you want a sequel? You want a sequel? I'll give you a goddamn sequel. <laughs> and they got it. That's what I think it was. I think this was, you wanted
2: it, you got it. Well, I think... Potentially, yeah, I agree with that. And I think another thing was, it just goes to show when you're someone like David Lynch, and it's just like the sky's the limit of your imagination, and it's kind of like completely unbought, like anything goes. Like we can do this, we can do that. And I think working with the who was it originally done? It was it NBC, ABC, is NBC, wasn't it? That put out ABC, ABC was the original. Right, it was ABC that did the original Twin Peaks. I think having ABC there and those more linear kind of studio exec exec going, well, you know, this has got have some kind of sense to it and we need some kind of structure and we need some kind of this. I think those oppressions on David Lynch sculpted it to have some sort of storyline and sense. It wasn't just completely like David Lynch going off the rails and doing what he wants to do. I think there was something in there when you have to work in those confines. Like you have to have an episodic weekly TV show and there's going to be a, a killer and you're not going to know who it is and it's a mystery.
0: You have to have a Gary Kurtz that's willing to say George. You do. yeah. This you is really dumb. Yes. L- l- look at the Star Wars movies when Gary Kurtz was fired.
2: I know. I know. You need that. I think you need that. And I think that's what this twin peaks me. I think someone because they just gave carte blanche to to, to lynch and said right just go and do the twin peaks season three thing and i think like his thinking was exactly what you were thinking was just going do you know what F- them. you want something weird you want twin peaks here it is and that's what happened but i think if you had someone there go well david no we need to do this and make it you know had just just that because I've, I've worked on stuff before where you do something and you just have someone there and they fine-tune certain things they give you a box a sandbox to, to work in and you do get more creative in that sandbox and you do have better ideas. And it's just like you, you think of all the stuff that was great, the little things that was great in the original Twin Peaks, like the um invitation to love, all those little things that kind of paralleled the story. And you could tell it was just like, OK, I'm making this you know, thing for uh, TV. And so, OK, I'm going to make a little comment about soap operas and the things that are on TV and reflect them toward things that are in our show. Like, oh, yeah, this is TV and this is silly and melodramatic. But the things we're doing, I know that's that's kind of more real like that they echo each other, but they're 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 similar but completely different things. And it's it's those more creative things I think came out of working in that quote unquote TV environment that made it what it was. And then you get like unrestrained Lynch for season three, and it was I think is because it, it, i was looking forward to it. and then you see the thing and it's just like it, it kills you in a way because it? it's so drawn out it's so elongated it's it's just well it, it, it seems this?
0: like like i said it's a it, he seemed well because like look at the thing with cooper everyone's favorite character <laughs> he's the one that they want to see come back yeah, a so dumbass. for all but two all but the final two episodes he's essentially in a coma because <laughs> you wanted cooper well there he is maybe it's not the cooper you wanted but fuck you <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I, I think there was an element of that to it. I really do, and I think from now, being you know, after the years have passed since the last season, and he's kind of gained that reputation of "you are David Lynch now, we'll let you do whatever you want to do," didn't help it. I think just having someone there to kind of fine tune. Well, that I, I, I would think have helped. I
0: think it was Mark 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 Frost was his Gary Kurtz, but then you've got something like like Nicholas Winding Refn, his new series "Too Old to Die Young," which is a great title, just started. And it is some of the most pretentious, self filating nonsense out there. It is 10 90-minute episodes that have, per 90 minutes, about 25 minutes of story. It's pure, let's see what Amazon will let me get away with and let me spend their money on.
2: See, I could believe he's completely trolling them, to be honest. I really do because it's just it's like we've spoke about this before about the William Friedkin interview when he when he's, and he's sitting there just turning around saying, oh, yeah, you know, it, it took like 20 years for To Live and Die in L.A. to become a classic, and it took about 30 seconds for Drive to become a classic, and Freakin's just sitting there saying, uh, I think this guy needs a doctor, this guy needs help, there's something wrong with this guy over here. Reffin's full of himself. And I can see Reffin getting himself into this situation where he's just got this show, and he's just like, right, okay, yeah, now we're we're going to make my TV show. And he just does this 16-hour thing whatever you want to call it this thing that like takes too long to watch that's what i call it
0: you also kind of have this with tarantino so okay i didn't like hateful eight personally but there are people that did and fine but now he's recut it put all the deleted scenes back in and it's a mini series (laughs) for i think it was netflix it's like a six hour mini series now and it's like Okay, Tarantino already has an ego. Hmm. I mean, hell, there's that old quote from Video Watchdog when Grindhouse came out, and remember then when the DVD came out, the missing reel for Death Proof was put in. And oh, I'm the quoting,
2: stupid thing with the toes sticking out the window.
0: He was asked why he put the missing reel back in, quote, the footage was just too good to not be seen. The man has such an ego, and I think Refin is the same way. I think Refin looks at himself like, "I am
2: such a genius." <laughs> I'm
0: sure. And he we does. know Tarantino does well, that. we know
2: Tarantino does that. Yeah, without fail. Yeah, that. I mean, I think it was it was hateful eight, wasn't it? His regular editor passed. Did she pass away? It was Sally Mencken or was it?
0: I, I, I think I think she died. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. She passed away, and so Tarantino cut hateful Eight, because that was the thing that was in what was it 70 millimeter or something he shot it in didn't he it was all like yeah, a big which deal. is
0: ridiculous because he didn't use the 70 it's millimeter for pancake. anything other than a couple of glory passes
2: yeah. yeah but the beginning those beginning shots of like i remember seeing that thing and the beginning shots and it was like the carriage going towards the cabin or whatever else and it was like basic information was the carriage is going to the cabin they're in the mm-hmm. snow it needs to go there and you could have done it in like a couple of good shots and you got on with the story and i think it was we were sitting there watching it and i was like there's been about eight shots that have lasted about thirty seconds each of this fing thing. Going straight across the um across the prairies, masturbating of this. Look at the seven oh my god, look at the seventy millimeter. Oh my god, this is cinema, this is cinema. And you're just thinking this is just boring. Yeah, okay, you shot some great stuff and now you're editing. Which isn't so good. Have you seen Westworld, the TV show? Uh, i thankfully avoided it.
0: They've fallen so in love with all of these old Westscapes and the beautiful cinematography Mm. that you're just like, do we need the entire horse ride from location to location? Oh, I guess we do. You know, but I mean, you know, it's Christopher Nolan's brother that runs that show. It's that Nolan thing. I just read today, Christopher Nolan's new movie, has a 250
2: million dollar budget. That's more than Avatar! Oh. What the hell is it? What's he making? What is this thing? Where the hell's the money going on? Like if he's like making like, you know, a, a, a close intimate personal drama for 250 million, I kind of, uh, I, I, I wanna beg to differ like where that money's going because I've got no idea. Like this is got, I mean like if you're saying this is bigger than Avatar money, then like what the hell is he doing with it? Okay,
0: let's let's change pace a little bit and talk a little bit about money. So you've got these budgets. I've said this long ago. I don't understand how the budgets on the big stuff keep getting bigger, while the while the budgets on the low budget stuff keep getting smaller. We're losing, you know, middle class filmmaking. Yeah, We're losing that mid grade filmmaking. Because yeah, I get screeners for all of these direct to video, direct to box pieces of garbage, and I look <laughs> at these movies and I'm like, this couldn't have had more than a twenty five thousand dollar budget. It looks like garbage. The acting's garbage. The audio's garbage. How is this even releasable? Yeah, but this- and then on the other hand, you've got Disney and Fox and Paramount and Warner Brothers putting two hundred million plus on a dozen films a year, and you're like, and those also look like garbage. They might on a technical level look better, but the originality yeah, but is in the indie field, but nobody wants to give them money to do it. Yeah,
2: but those Disney films, those Marvel films, it's just like a hamburger factory, isn't it? It's just, it's, it's just a franchise. It's just one thing. One thing looks like the next thing, looks like the next thing, but it's slightly different. It's slightly different. There's, like, you get like, they're so interchangeable. No one's like, who the hell can tell the difference between one director and another on a Marvel? It's just like, that's the look. That's the stuff. It's a Marvel movie. Done. We know, like, Aquaman is... A, a, I went away on holiday recently, and that thing played on, like, a TV for 24 hours a day. It was, like, the only thing on one channel. I reluctantly sat there and watched it, and I, I, I think I felt like suicide. I think I can actually sit here and honestly say I, I felt like I wanted to die after I watched that thing. That is one hideous film. At least everything with DC kind of looks different, for better or worse. But, okay,
0: look at it like this. So you have an indie film, let's just say Mandy, for example.
2: Okay, You know,
0: which has a very unique vision. Now, in a way, Cosmotaos is kind of in that same area as Winding Refn Hmm. and Tarantino, where he's a little full of himself, but fine. (laughs) Mandy had a story to tell. Yeah. It took them years to get that story on the screen because they had no money for it. Yet Marvel can go... We're green lighting this and we're going to start the promotional campaign. You've got every resource in the world. Make it look as bland as possible. Something like Mandy or Beyond the Black Rainbow go out of their way. And I know those are both cosmetos. Yeah. To look unique. To look different. How many times do you see a movie nowadays or a trailer where you're like, this actually looks different. Well, that's like, what I was saying. Sorry yeah. to bother you. Yeah, no. Sorry to bother you was so amazing, yet the mainstream went this is just too weird for me.
2: Josh, this is like what I was saying, like at the beginning when I when I said I went to the cinema and I saw like a trailer and then the next thing bled into the next thing and it all looked the same. And I I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I was watching these trailers and it was all these stupid superhero things that just took themselves way too seriously. And it and it was just becoming a farce and it was like another one, another one, another one. And then after that, the trailer to Shazam came on. And I sat there. And I laughed twice during this trailer. And I, it just occurred to me, like, this is the first time in all these trailers that I, I've had a reaction to everything. Because everything's, I'm just so sanitized to watching the same looking kind of thing over and over. That something came along and I, I actually felt some kind of emotion that, that prompted me to think, hmm, maybe I want to watch this film. And I did. And I went to see it. And I liked it. And I don't know how you feel about that film because we've never spoke about it. Shazam was
0: average it's yeah but then Uh, there there were a couple of there were a couple of genuinely funny moments Mm. and that was it I personally really liked the moment where they're both in the sky quite a distance apart and the bad guy's ranting and then they cut back to Shazam and he's like dude I can't hear you we're like a mile apart and I'm like okay that was mildly clever (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, but that's what I mean though like this is what for for mainstream cinema that's what you're kind of clinging to something to be mildly clever and that that's what like I saw that trailer I was like well that was mildly amusing so much so that it it meant something more than the banality that just happened before it And, and and that's kind of where you are it's like it's a factory like Disney is the movie factory Disney's the movie factory that owns Star Wars movies and it owns this and they're all just smaller factories inside the factory when I went to Pinewood and I went in there to do the stupid audition thing for Star Wars as, as Chewbacca and I stayed in there they gave me a pass and said oh you can go now thanks very much and they just left me there and I was like yeah I'm not just leaving this place I'm in here now so I just kind of mooched around I had a pass I was supposed to be there Being in there there was you know like production assistance and stuff and it bothered me then just hearing people the way they spoke about it because it was so it, it was like working in a factory the way they were talking about it we're going to be shooting but and this is like before like the things that exist now like last jedi were out and so they were all being filmed at the same time and it was like yeah we're going to be doing some work on uh on solo, then we're going to go and do a little bit on the last Jedi. Then we got, to, you know, probably going to have to shoot something else there and there. So that's the work day ahead. And, uh, and, 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 it was just the way they were talking about it. It was just like a production line. We do a bit of this, bit of that, bit of that. Just slap these things out, slap these things out. And I wondered then, before I'd seen any of these things, this is, this is where this is going. It's just going to be a treadmill of film after film after film. And you see these things and they love like these new Star Wars films and they feel like they've come out on a treadmill. Being there personally, hearing the way people to like, how can you put that much effort like you know you, josh you know it's like you're making one film how hard is it to make one film let alone doing three at the same time and expecting some sort of quality to each of them it's it's, it's well, insane I,
0: okay here's the thing when i was sitting through endgame and those credits went on forever <laughs> yeah. and ever yeah and ever now i'm not saying the people who worked on these should not be credited i'm saying i would actually like to look at the credits of endgame again count how many names are on it? And I'm thinking, I think 25% of every single person in Hollywood, California worked on this f***ing film! <laughs> in
1: in some capacity! Yeah,
2: I think, I think they probably did. Yeah, I think they probably did. But that's, that's why it's like, cause you get that wall of text, don't you? Like, you, you, get your main players, you get your producers, you get everything else. Then it gets down to like the effects and like the runners and everything. And you get the, just a sheer wall of names. It's, is like just slowly creeping up the screen. And it's, it's just like, like, what, how? What were all these people doing there? Like, how did this happen? It's like a lot of these people are, yeah, right. They're effects. Like, you know, like digital effects people, they're sitting there just working on this stuff. That many people to make things that are so bland kind of breaks so sure.
0: It, it also broke my heart when I'm sitting here like, okay, you've got the makeup people and you've got the actual producers and set builders being credited. And then you have a wall of text of like 1,000 names of <laughs> visual effects artists. And that just made me go, oh my God. Uh, yes,
2: because it is always the visual effects artists. You just get a ton of these people there just scrolling by. And you know they've been paid nothing to do it. It's, it's, it's just like, come on you're working on a star wars film just sit here and watch that thing render for three weeks it'd be fine just make sure it doesn't turn off I know it's all that resource and all that time and all that effort to go into these things and it's it's they come out bad that does that does really upset me in a way you just see these things and you think there's just money being thrown at something and what you're getting back is nothing
0: at the same time you have like the state of the industry this stuff is wrecking my love of films. It's not that I, like I am song. going. Oh no, David! It's not I'm going. Oh, something's new. I hate it. Like a lot of people jokingly say about me. It's I look at it. I, 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 with the with the couple of exceptions, I'm open minded on just about every movie. And <laughs> until you know, I've seen the trailer or something. Especially those and Jordan
2: Peele movies. You love those.
0: I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I, I'm relatively open minded, where I'm, I'm willing to give just about any movie a chance. And every single time, I'm like, the movie looked like crap, the CGI was crap, the lighting was flat, the directing was crap, the, the writing was kind of set self-clever, like, oh, God, I'm so clever, which makes it not clever. It's just Hollywood keeps hurting me. I'm to the point where I think I'm just going to, before I walk into a film ask the, the the people that i buy my ticket from to please kindly bash my skull in first so the movie won't let me down so much
2: yeah but that's exactly how i felt like behind the scenes it's like i i began to hate the thing i loved. it was exactly the same thing like because like we've spoke before about you know i've been, it's been like going to the Cannes film festival seeing how all these things work and seeing how plastic everything is and it's just it's, it was just something i was like i just really can't deal with this i just all i want to do is make the film and you know i've jumped through hoops with people with producers with the, you with have an various...
0: unreleased film out there that's still to the date we're recording this unreleased still unless, unreleased. You, so it, no, unless like... you look at the torrent scene
2: <clears throat> <laughs> that's weird that how the hell did that happen the, um...
0: i have no idea i was definitely not a hundred percent involved in that
2: oh yeah like, like i knew anything a hundred percent about that either but this is the thing about it is it's just the whole, there's a plasticity to the whole, like what makes you laugh is when you used to see those things, like you used to watch cartoons and stupid, like TV programs. And, and you used to have like, this man's the film producer and I'll oh, don't upset him or you'll never work in this industry again. That kind of exists. That whole like setup of like schmucky film producers and, and, and all that kind of stuff is, it's real. It's based on something. those stereotypes is based on something. I, I mean, like before like we've, I've spoke about, you know, when I, uh, can film festival is a weird place. It's basically like a market where you can go there and try and sell films. There's like literally tables of people trying to sell films and stuff, and you can meet some interesting people there. But there's films there that sh- people should be seeing, and they should be bought and put out there, but they're not. They're not because it's like this isn't commercial. This is this is one of those art films, isn't it? And and, and that kind of stuff.
0: But on the same token, you have now we have not seen this movie. We, Peter and I talked a little bit about it last week. Glenn Danzig's new movie Verotica, which has <laughs> only had one this. screening. <laughs> it's it's, it's it's a pure artistic, independent film. <laughs> and it's being called one of the worst horror films of the last 20 years.
1: Yeah, I But see. at
0: least you can say it's his vision. It might be an incompetent, moronic vision,
2: but it's his vision.
1: See, this, you this, don't see, get I'm, that
2: in the studio system. You don't get anything like that. Because they don't take chances, do they? I, I mean... Imagine how, you, well let, let's, it did stop. I mean, that, to be fair, like, I'm not the biggest Rob Zombie fan ever. Like, I think the man, like you've said, is a very interesting man. He's got good taste in films. When it comes to making them, eh, He's got like, a great
0: eye. His films, he, if the camera would stop f***ing moving,
2: moving all yeah. the time. <laughs> I can't write. You can't. It, yeah. Characters stink. They're so bad. But the thing is, it's like, originally, that was Universal. Universal took a chance on it. Like, and when was that, 20 years ago? They took that chance. They're like, well, you know, like we know you're popular. You can sell music.
0: David, here's the thing about House of a Thousand Corpses. It looked great.
2: Yes. But what about the story, Josh?
0: It looked great.
2: <laughs> I think I think that says everything we need, you need to know about the story. 20 years ago, Rob Zombie, like, what did he do? Some music videos, some bits and pieces. And he went to a studio and said, I've got this really bad idea you want to give me some money to make it? And Universal paid for it. They didn't release it, but they paid for it and it happened. And then you're talking about Glenn Danzig and he's just done this thing just like independently. No one takes that chance. Studios won't take this. Chance. Have you ever seen the interview with Frank Zappa when he's talking about the music industry? And he said, this is what the music industry used to be. And he used to be like some crutchy old man sitting there and they'd bring a record in and they'd play and they'd go, this is, this is the new rock and roll. This is something. And the guy'd be like, eh, I don't know what this is, but we're giving $20,000 put it out there and see if people like it and they took chance and he said that's how so many bands got discovered it was just someone who didn't know what the hell they were listening to well it could be popular I don't know don't ask me we'll just take a chance we'll take a chance and he said like back in the day when he was first making his waves that's how things were done and now you've got a boardroom full of people going mm, well I don't know this this doesn't seem like the kind of thing we were Like, who's your audience for this well, let's do a, a, a test let's do some market research let's do this and everything's so thought through it just becomes sterilized and there's nothing there well, anymore and uh, I think okay. what he said about music you could just apply that to films as well.
0: Okay I'm going to circle back to what we started this on about how everything is an, ad- an adaptation of something else because yeah. this is how You get a movie made nowadays, whether it's a big-budget movie or a low-budget movie. You you and I, we have a couple of ideas we pitch to some producers. Nobody's biting. You know what everyone out there who I know who's an independent filmmaker tells me to do? Do it as a comic book or a novel first. Then they're much more willing to adapt your something from another medium than to take your original idea. That is the most back-ass words way I can think of, David, to get a movie made. So I need to do it as a comic book first because nobody wants to make it into a movie. But if I do it as a comic book, then they'll want to adapt the comic book into the movie, which
2: is what I wanted to do in the first place. Yeah, but you got to realize this is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with these studio execs. So just sit there again well, we don't know what this is. Oh, we don't want to take a chance on it. And you kind of literally have to make it for them to show them this thing. Oh, look, this is what it is. There it is. It is a book. Like, you can read this book. That is a story. People have bought this book. People like this book. Comic book. Whatever it is, and then they go, oh yeah, you're dealing with visionless people. Visionless people have pots of money, willing to, who sit there thinking they're creative, who think they're visionary, and they have to give this to people who they feel could be those visionaries. And they just, and, and if anyone does have that vision, it's like, well, no, 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 we have to, we have to test this first to make sure everything's just a okay, and we can get the people in seats, and, and everything becomes new and everything becomes the same, and that's kind of where we are now. This is why you don't well, go it, into it's... a theater and you see things like, like you know, you not, you think like when you the thing. Used to go back into the cinema. So being a horror, used to have Romero, John Carpenter, Dario Argento. There was such a spectrum of different filmmakers, and you could watch fifteen seconds of any of those films, and you could say it's a John Carpenter film, it's George Romero film, and you know because everyone had a style. Could you do that with Blumhouse film?
0: No, you couldn't. No. But one of the reasons I bring up adaptations is you've got a new book out, Night Waves, which I is have. you know a, a, a siren tale, killer sirens from the sea. You made, you shot a commercial for it because you're a filmmaker and you shot, you know, a music video for it with your girlfriend and all this mm-hmm. because she's she's a musician. I'm going to bet once the book comes out, whether it's even a modest hit or not, I'm going to bet you're going to have some Hollywood scumbag Josh. that's going to go, let's make this into a movie.
2: Josh, do you want to lie something awful? Has that already f***ing happened? <laughs> like, it literally... Publishers Weekly things going in Publishers Weekly this is coming out in the next month and they just send it out to retailers and everything else I didn't even know it was in Publishers Weekly I had no idea it was it was happened around me I was doing some of the other kind of PR stuff I actually
0: think I I read the review of it they were not very kind to the book
2: they weren't very kind to the book yeah but it's kind of the best review ever it's just like this is a lurid B movie schlocky B movie and it's like well yeah yeah you're like exactly that's exactly what it is yeah it totally is it's just a lurid 80s throwback horror novel. Parasitic sea sirens living under a pier taking people's faces. That's what the story is. It says what it does on the tin. Look at the trailer for it. It, it is a B-movie. It's that kind of thing. So but that review came out and that was in there in Publishers Weekly and they said, look, this, you know, this happened. And I didn't even know this happened. And the next thing you know, I was getting a, a, a Facebook messenger call from someone. I'm thinking who the hell is this? I don't know who this person is. They'd seen it in Publishers Weekly and they were like, oh my god, this should be a film. Uh, I was just like, oh, right, okay, um, who are you? Someone from L.A., some... Uh, I think they go, go over there like a finder, they go around looking for properties to, like, buy up, and, oh, yeah, we could we could have this. And they saw it, and they said, oh, that review, yeah, we we, we saw it, and we got a, 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 an early copy of the book from your publisher. This could be a film, it should be a B-movie, this is great, we could make... And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is... Okay. It wasn't the kind of people I wanted to be dealer with, just to put it that way.
0: But, David, now, if you instead of writing the novel Nightwaves... If you had just pitched this as a movie to them, they would have passed, they on, would it. Have passed that, on it. That—that's how back words this is.
1: Yeah,
2: well, it's—it's been passed on before. It's been passed like it's been passed on, and it's been to people and and been in hands where it's just like this is ridiculous. Like the things, it's just like we love everything about this, so let's change it. And and one of the the the, the weirdest. Like you were saying about why these things get made with, like, like the budgets, says that there's no middle ground filmmaking, no working class kind of level of filmmaking, as you were saying before. I remember being in Canada, this thing's existed for a long time now. And I had it in Cannes I was pitching it in Cannes saying this is, this is this film, this is Nightwave. People were like, oh yeah, we really like it. And uh, there's a, a role in there of uh, a psychic who's like a seaside psychic and she kind of picks up on these things that are coming up on shore and taking people's faces and she's a big part of it. And uh, they turned around and they said, oh yeah, we, we potentially fund this thing. And, we, and I was like, oh, that's, that's very nice of you. Like how, what have you thoughts on it? And they said, you know, uh, uh, budget wise, we could probably give you mm, 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 about 10 grand and i'm thinking 10 grand to do this okay right it's going to be that kind of film but we want robert england in there to play the psychic and I was like, oh, well, OK, that's not exactly what I had in mind. You know, female on the page and Robert Englund. Oh, but it's a name, isn't it? But we can get Robert England. We can pay him 20 grand. And I was just like, well, why don't you just give me 30 and we can just cast someone else and put the money into production? We can have some good special effects. Like, no, no, no. We don't really care about the production. As long as we've got a film that's called Nightwaves and Robert England's in there playing a psychic, we're fine with that.
0: With Nightwaves, I'm hoping the book is going to be a big hit. Let's say it becomes a big hit. Do you think you're going to get, like, a Steven Spielberg? Because Ready Player One is a f***ing garbage novel. It's one of <laughs> it's the, the worst books yeah. I've ever read. Ernest Cline, if, if E.L. James didn't exist, he would be the biggest hack currently working yeah. in in, yeah. in fiction. When I heard Steven Spielberg say, somebody, you know, put this novel on my desk, and he said, this was the most unique thing I'd ever read, I wanted to punch Steven Spielberg in the dick. <laughs>
2: Well, I can see why, do you know what, as a businessman, I can see why Steven Spielberg said, oh, this should be made into a film, because people, like we were talking before, they go and see this garbage because of the nostalgia factor, and you've got this thing, and it's just like, it is. there is nothing else apart from the nostalgia factor. That is all there is. That's what Ready, Play, It's a list. It's like buying a Sears catalogue and going, Ghostbusters, Transformers, GoBots. G.I. Joe. It, it really, it's just listing things, and people go, oh, "I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is." That's what it is. That is it, It's listen. movie reference.
0: It's, it's 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 pop culture reference. The book.
2: Movie reference. The movie. Yeah, that's what it is. Like from from ground level, from people who have read Night Waves. Publishers Weekly is Publishers Weekly. I think I'm just going to be a thorn in their side for as long as I've books are. To be perfectly honest, it's just like that. They're, they're never going to like what I'm going to do because the stuff I do is genuine, gloppy slimy, lurid, sleazy horror. It's like, it's like, it's like Maniac going on Siska and Ebert uh, Eber and saying, oh yeah, do you guys like this film? No, they're hate it. Of course they're going to hate that film. And of course, publishers Weekly going to hate something like Nightwaves. But it's the kind of thing that people who like horror would pick up and go, do you know what, that's... that.'" They're going to pick it up and go, do you know what, that should be a movie.
0: I, I'm, I'm sick of this around. Like, have you seen Sorry to Bother You yet? I, I haven't. Sorry to Bother You, it was my favorite film of 2018. I said it was the best movie of the year. It's really unique. It's really, really weird. And the director couldn't get it made as a movie for years. So since he was a rap guy, he basically did the story in a rap song. Then somebody said, that's a great idea. You should make that into a movie. And he just kind of hit his forehead like, you you got to be kidding me.
2: <laughs> well, I can completely believe it because the thing is, like with the trailer that I put out for Nightwaves, the people have seen the trailer and the amount of email and text, uh, Facebook messages and Twitter messages and Instagram messages with people going, oh, this, this book trailer, this should be a movie. I'm thinking, yeah, it at one point it nearly was, but now it's a book, and if you buy the book and support the book, then maybe it will be in the future.
0: Now you wrote a script about a werewolf and in, werewolf infection in outer space mm-hmm. and I read it and the movie ended up not being made. You've basically washed your hands of it. Mm-hmm. What would you do if all of a sudden say the rights changed hands from problems you had before and all of a sudden and all of a sudden wolf moon which was just a temporary title anyway mm. all of a sudden there was interest in that again. W- would you actually want to do it cuz I know you you, you told me that you have basically washed your hand
2: Yeah, I did basically wash my hands of it, and I think that was just, like, the taint of time and and the people I was dealing with uh, at that moment. But, I mean, yeah, potentially, it's... I I could, I could, I could see myself... The thing, I went back to have a look over that recently, and I was just like, this... When you distance yourself away from things, you kind of think, ah, that thing, that thing. And then it was, like, pure accident. I just saw the file on my desktop, and I was like, oh, yeah, that thing. And I opened it up, and I was like, ah, this thing. And it's, and it's, uh, it's not bad. It's like, there's, there's things in this like, yeah, do you know what, this, this movie, it was like a direct video. Oh yeah. Video. yeah oh, completely that. And it should have been that. Like it deserved to be that. Like it would have been a fun thing.
0: And, and see, here's the thing. I'm gonna read the last page of it, because I love this, and not just because my name <laughs> is in it. But one of the main characters is a hot chick named Hadley. Don't know if that says something about you or, or not. Maybe but it
2: says something it, about me and how I feel yeah. about you, Josh. It, it's a hot chick named
0: Hadley. So, interior, Walker's ship, bridge. Hadley pulls apart the doors and slashes the two pilots inside, throwing their bodies to one side. Two werewolves begin devouring their corpses. She sits in the pilot seat and reconfigures its settings. Taping on the computer screen, destination, Earth. Hadley stares forward into space, stares straight into camera. It's a dog-eat-dog world, and you always have to make sure you have the biggest teeth. She raises her head back and howls. Pressing enter on the ship's navigation system, sending Walker's ship straight back to Earth. Exterior, Walker's ship. The ship pulls from the moon's orbit, screams of horror and pain, echoing out into space as it heads back to earth hadley's howl trailing off as everything falls into an eerie silence the end i want this movie not just because of the (laughs) character named hadley i'd be really curious like to see a hot chick named hadley but it's just me okay fine
2: In a parallel universe, and all that. This is, yeah. It was well. It was a. It was kind of a. Put up the whole kind of twelve oh one homage in there to like all of you guys, didn't you? Everyone's named after someone. Yeah, there was Cecil
0: and Peter (laughs) and everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, It was all in there. I know, I know. Like, like reading it then, it's it's there, isn't it? It was. Yeah, I know. And and the thing was, we had a really good script reading for that, and everyone was sitting there, and there's some good chokes in there, and and everyone had a laugh, and it was just like, yeah, this is. It is. It was that medium budget. And the problems that was coming up when talking about that, it's just, it just ridiculous. Just, just things. The, the werewolf should be CGI. No, it really shouldn't be CGI. Let's just go and buy a costume. Let's just go and make a costume, buy a costume, build a costume, do something. Film it in shadow. Put some glowing eyes on it. Anything. Just don't CGI it. That just... This is this is why I've kind of gone over into writing prose, into putting books out. Because it's just like, I have the control to put a story out there and it to be whatever it's supposed to be. And if it gets made into a film at some point, it gets made into a film at some point. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, be. still Which hopefully you're
0: the one making it into a film at some
2: point. In a way, do you know what, there's a really twisted, sick part of me in the things. Do you know what, I'd really love someone to just take something I've done and just like uh, murder it <laughs> And I, I I really would have, just to see it just like yeah this I wouldn't have done this just I, I just kind of want to see that in a way I really do just just that, that moment of sitting back and seeing something that potentially could have been you're not bad and it's, it's not good
0: maybe it's because you're too close to it you know you need a Gary Kurtz which in some cases is me you've sent me certain parts of some of your other stories and I'll be you know because you're too close to it hmm. and I'll be like okay this this paragraph's redundant. You don't need this. This yes. sentence should come before this. And I basically acted as your editor. You and other people have done that for me. When I'm writing an article, I'm too close to it. I can't see the problems. Everyone needs their Gary Kurtz. George Lucas got mad that Gary Kurtz kept telling him no. And so yeah, he fired he him, that. and it's then tot- look what happened.
2: Yeah, that awful things happen. And, and and it's totally true. And it's it's uh, like the, 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 the filmmaker who... uh you're a huge fan of his last film that came out but like that that film us do you know what it could have been something if there was someone else who'd stepped in because the tones all over the place it's just like what the hell it's just like he had car blocks or oh, make get yeah, out was fine like oh yeah we loved it we loved it now do something else And no one it just feels like a first draft and no one question and you have to have people question things you just have you have to you completely have to because it's, you write something. It's not for you. It's for other people and you need other people with good critical people to turn around and say, this is good or this is bad. And it just helps in the long run. This is the like the David Lynch thing. You put him in there and you have that sandbox to play and you're working for a TV station now. We're making a TV show and these are the rules. You can't do this and this, but then they find a way to work around them and something good comes from it.
0: You, you need to sometimes be handcuffed. Look at like Joe David. Dante. Yeah. When Joe Dante has almost no money, he comes up with such unique things. Then he'll work on a studio picture, and he's got all the money in the world, figuratively. Hmm. And and it's always bland. Look at look at someone like Joe Dante. He kind of needs to be handcuffed a little bit because it forces creativity.
2: Well, it completely does. Right, that... When I did and, uh, the thing, uh, which was uh, Seven Winters, when that was a music video, that started off as a music. And we went into that, just, okay, we've got this song. And we started talking, and it was just like... And the and the, the guy, uh, my friend James, who, whose band it was, his his music sounds very 90s. And we started... And then the first thing I said was, it sounds very 90s. And he says, that's what everyone says. And then we started talking about the 90s. And it was just like, oh, the films of the 90s were great. Yeah, like James Cameron, T2, and Richard Stanley. And he's like, let's just make a video like that. And so we, we kind of... You you know, we, we bounced off one another and it's like, okay, let's just make this little The video narrative.
0: really has a Richard Stanley vibe. Well, yeah, to
2: but it. that, that is completely what it was supposed to be. So we took that and we made this thing. And then it was like, oh, we've got enough footage here to turn it into a short film. Oh, okay, let's turn it into a short film. Then I sent that out and it, and you know, it, it did okay. And it, it, it got like the, 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 award thing from David Lynch. And it was like, oh yeah, this, this, there's something here. And then I, f- from that, I, the ideas in that short, I was like, this is, there's something here about like this one person stranded like haunt in a world that's haunted, a haunted, dystopian haunted house film. That, that, that's what could come from this idea. So it's, it's like a post
0: apocalyptic okay. ghost story, which you don't really see too often, which you
2: don't see. Too often, so right, so it was like, okay, right, so we've made this thing that's a homage to the 90s, a homage to Richard Stanley and James Cameron. Well, throw that aside. Let's take this look, dystopian haunted house film and, and see what we can do with that. And I've turned that, that's a book, it, it's a book, it exists. Seven Winters Line exists as a book, something that I'm just going through the final stages of editing now, and that's gonna come out in the future. It's just, that, that creativity, it went from being a music video to a homage to the 90s, to certain filmmakers, to its own film, and now it's a whole novel that's completely different to all of those things and it's just like you you, you work together on things and good things can come out
0: of it with seven winters this Hmm. also goes to the difference between low budget and high budget at one point in seven winters you have a cage made of laser beams you have a laser really cage. Laser beams. Yeah, yeah, it and really it laser. looked great. And then was it a Black Mirror episode or maybe a, it was a Dimension 404 or something like that? It, yeah. it was one of those anthology series for a streaming service also had a laser cage and it looked like crap. They had <laughs> a, a thousand thing, times <laughs> your budget <laughs> and
2: it looked worse. I can't fathom how that happens. No, I, it, it's just unbelievable. And that thing was made, our one was like literally made out of necessity because it was like, okay, because these are the things that was happening. It was just like, it's like I say, it started off as this homage and it was like we started bringing our own things into it. And it's like, do you know what would be good? Like, oh yeah, like an electronic Ouija board. Let's make a futuristic electronic Ouija board and let's, you know, rather than having like the glass as the thing that captures the spirit, let's have a laser cage that captures the spirit. And it's like, where are going to get a laser cage from? Well, I don't know, like those, those pins, those pointer pens you can use for cats and stuff. Let's just get those and blow us smoke machine through oh look you can see the beams oh this is perfect. And, and i think that thing was made of in the end it was literally a hula hoop to, to keep the, the the perfect kind of circumference and we just drilled holes in it and put the lasers in there turn them on pointed them up right blow the smoke machine you can see the bars it works but it's those things, it's just like, you have this idea, like, how can we, how can we do this with nothing? Oh, well, I don't know, we'll figure a way out, we'll, we'll do it. But when you've got everything, oh, well, we'll just CGI it. Do you know what the worst, you know what the worst thing is we hear on these sets? We're fixing in post. And the thing is now, films are literally made in post. Everything's, there you are on the green screen set, jumping around as a Marvel character. Right, it's coming this way. It's coming that way. There's nothing there. You're never going to get a piece of the point before.
0: I've gotten to the point where I've said, like the Marvel movies, the DC movies, you know, most studio films. These don't even qualify as live action. They anymore. don't. They don't. They're not. They're, they're, they're animated films that have l- actors in them. You know, I, I, I love how Disney. Now, you could know, get away with this with Beauty and the Beast, you know, and Aladdin. The, the live action remakes fine. The Lion King one. They keep calling it a live-action remake, and I'm going, but it's 100% CGI. Okay, it's photorealistic, but it's not live-action.
2: I've had just, like, a normal civilian person who's just not into film, like, you're right. And they've turned around to me and they said, "I can't wait to see that live-action Lion King." Now they've done it for real. That's going to be so much better. And I was like, "What do you mean they've done it for real? What have they done for real? This is, that's as animated as the the, the one in the past. It's just, there's like no that was done with like cell animation. This is done with computer animation. Love the how is this live action? But people, they just it's that thing in their head. Oh, look, this is this is real. They've done it for real. They didn't. Right? They didn't really train a baboon to hold up a lion cub. Well Apparently, in some people's minds, they did.
0: It's not live action. Uh, okay, a lot of people say I hate CGI. I don't hate CGI. No. I hate CGI when it makes the movie. Cause CGI can be used to accentuate a special effect, remove lines, fix a mistake, things like that. Like, w- when-
2: There's CGI in the Nightwaves trailer, it's in there. It's, I know
0: I I know because I saw the rough cut of it before the CGI.
2: This is it yeah there's tiny things in there but nothing was made with the CGI. things were covered with the CGI.
0: Joe Baden's great super low budget movie The God inside my Ear, which everyone should go out and see right now. The movie takes place in the late 90s. He never tells you exactly when and when I was talking to him before the movie was released, he sent me a screener I noticed a mistake. At one point in a bar, you can see a like us on Facebook poster in the background. He used CGI to fix that mistake. Yeah. That's it.
2: That was, that was like when I made, uh, cassette though. When I made that film and, I mean, like, the first cut of it, I mean, it was the first feature thing I ever made. It was just like trial and error and we, I was like, you know what, if we, if we if we we could cut twenty minutes out of this, if that scene that scene that scene went, and we we kind of clipped it together, and and if this girl's clothes were the same, no one would it, everything would be fine. No one would notice this, and we literally use CGI black out a logo on a t shirt so it looked like that black t shirt from that date is the same black t shirt in this shot, and then that that's what it's, it's a tool to be used for those kind of things, just for fixing things, for helping things along, not for okay, you, you, like Titanic things like that, like uh, bloody giant dinosaurs and space monsters and things certain things yeah okay yeah you're going to use this thing for to like for, for the completely unbelievable things that don't exist but if it does exist and you can do it practically just please just do it practically
0: please we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that because we've <laughs> just basically bitched about films for the last hour. So, yeah. <laughs> where can people find David? Where can they find Nightwaves? I played at the beginning of the show, you heard one of the audio teasers. There's multiples of those. There's an actual trailer on YouTube for the book that's all shot by David. There's a music video from his girlfriend Roxy Drive which uh, I again he shot and it looks fantastic. You sent me the press kit and I was going to say god you pretentious motherfucker <laughs> and all your stand-up shots and stuff i'm like come on dude really
2: <laughs> you know, i told you like just take the radio spots up take the radio like, like my publisher wanted them they said can you get some of these shots and i was like yeah okay they were not for your eyes but unfortunately you saw them. you sent but me the whole press kit I so i got to see them kit. yeah i know so just delete delete those things You can find me on Facebook as David Irons. I have a like page on Facebook, and I think it's David Irons Writer. Uh, I'm definitely David Irons Writer on Instagram. If you go on YouTube, two words, Nightwave. Put in Nightwave, David Irons, or Nightwave's roxy drive to see the the music video and the trailers on soundcloud if you put in david iron's writer there's a 40 minutes free audiobook chapter a missing chapter from nightwaves so you can get a taste of it there and if you go on amazon you can order nightwaves you can order it there i think it's like nine dollars and if you like sleazy lurid 80s horror films then you're probably going to like nightwaves
0: or as I said in my pull quote on the book, quote, a vivid, engaging, hyper sleazy, wet horror novel evoking those early 1980s seaside monster films we all grew up on. A blaring siren of a novel so long missing in horror literature, unquote.
2: There you go. From the man himself.
0: From Damn the master of
2: Radio Jerome. Here he is. And that's what he thinks of Nightwaves. So if you do like, if that sounds like your kind of thing, in a way, you're going to be supporting the future of independent film because some schmuck's going to go this should be a movie i don't want to turn it into a movie
0: and thanks to me it's got the better cover you guys should have seen the original cover that yes, oh, all like all i can say is i i said i said one word to him and he got exactly why it didn't work i said the ewok adventure
2: oh jesus christ the Ewok adventure. yeah yeah i know where you're going that was a temp cover. That was, that's what you got. It was a mock-up to say, like, oh, what do you think of this? And the, yeah, Ewok Adventure. is the, what was that name? Sindal? it was Sindal, wasn't it? Sindal. Sindal. That's it. The Sindal hair. Oh my God. It's got a good cover now. Go and check out the cover. It's gonna Josh can vouch for that as well. It's got, yeah, it's got a good cover. cover. It's
0: got a good so, cover. So go to adamandeve.com, go to NordVPN. Well, actually go to 121beyond.com slash drome VPN for the nord thing you can check out more shows at 1201 beyond.com and you can contact me at 1201 beyond at gmail.com buy david's book it's it's worth it and let us know if we were just two old men yelling at clouds <laughs> try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold have a good night
1: nation <laughs> Overdrawn. The high price of freedom for the rich and illegal. Where our future coming from? Oh God, what the hell?